0: Thank you so much for joining us for this Journey Through the Book of Romans by Pastor Sumiko Stroud of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located in Bremen, Georgia. To find out more information about our ministry, just log on to www.kingdomrock.org. And now here's Pastor Sumiko Stroud with Part 3, Journey Through the Book of Romans. All
1: right, we're going to continue in Romans. Before we dive into today's lesson, uh, this little section here on the board, uh, all the way over to the far left, is just a little side note. Now, we did not get to Romans one seventeen last week. Uh, we were supposed to, but we didn't, and we are not going to cover it in depth this week. This is going to be a little on your own assignment. Romans 117, at the toward the end of the verse, you'll see where it says, the just shall live by faith. Now, that uh, portion of scripture is being quoted uh, from the, uh, originally having been in Habakkuk 2.4. That's in the Old Testament, y'all. You'll find it. Dig around in there. Uh, Now, it it would be very good Bible study on your own, or perhaps maybe even in this class at some point, we may explore that, to look at what was going on in the book of Habakkuk when uh, the prophet made this statement. And then we see this statement is quoted in three different places uh, in the New Testament. And in each of those places, it brings out a little bit more about the verse. So, the just shall live by faith. We're going to learn about the just being justified throughout the book of Romans. So, that'll give us a little more insight into that. Shall live, uh, this verse is quoted in Galatians 3.11. And the book of Galatians gives us more insight on what it means to live. And then by faith. And we all know that Hebrews is our power book for faith. It's quoted in Hebrews ten thirty-eight. So that's just a little information for you. Um, hopefully, we will either, you know, go through it in here. Maybe not with me teaching. Maybe one of you. So I encourage you, on your own, you need a little direction in Bible study. Romans 1, 17, the just shall live by faith. Okay. Does everybody have those references before I erase them? Okay, all right, well let's dive in today. On your uh, outline for your study at home notes, we are finally in section two or section B. I felt like using my alphabet when I made that for some reason. And we're gonna talk about sin, yay! And it's gonna be uh, divided into possibly two parts. And today we're going to talk about part one we're going to cover Romans, we're still in chapter 1, three weeks into this. And we're going to pick up with verse 18, and we're going to try to make it through verse 32. Now, throughout this, I want you to keep one particular uh, scripture reference in mind. Psalm 14 and 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Okay? Let's just keep that in mind as we go through. Uh, the rest of Romans, and as you go through life, there's been a couple of times where that verse just rang so loudly in my ears. The fool says in his heart, there is no God, okay? All right, we're going to read a little bit of the verses. I I think I'm coming from the New King James Version. I believe that's the one uh, that I ended up typing up here. So starting at verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in him, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts Foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. Okay, we'll stop right there. Now, the wrath of God. A lot of people don't like to particularly talk about the wrath of God because we just want to picture God as just loving. He loves me. Where the Bible tells me so it's so warm and fuzzy, isn't it? But we want to talk a little bit today about the wrath of God, because salvation has no place unless there's something to be saved from. Right? If I walk over to Deaconess and grab you and say, You ought to be thankful because I just saved you, she'll look at me like, Well, okay. Just sitting here on the seats, there was no danger. But thank you, right? So in order for this good news to be good, there has to be been some danger, something that we needed rescuing from, something that we needed to be saved from. Now, when we look at the wrath of God, I don't want us to get confused and think about it um, when we have wrath. You know, when we get upset with somebody when we're angry, um, our thought is revenge, right? I can't believe you did that to me. I'm going to get you back. That's not God. He's not sitting up in heaven going, uh-huh, didn't pray this morning? I'm going to give you a flat tire. You don't get to work on time. You're going to lose that job. You know, Didn't want to sing and praise and worship this morning? Yeah, you're going to have the flu by the end of the week. Oh, no. That's not God. So when people sit down and say, oh, God. God gave me this. God gave me this illness. God broke down my car. God made me lose my job, and I know he did because I wasn't coming to church. That's not wrath of God. That's human petty anger and revenge, okay? Right. That's that's not God. Now, you riding around on bald tires and you get a flat and you're late for work, that was all you. Put some tires on your car, right? Okay. Not eating right so that your immune system is compromised, and then fanning yourself in front of every sick person you can find, that's not God giving you the flu. That's the way of the world, okay? We're in a fallen world. There are things here. You stand out there, just like if it was raining outside. Rain's coming down. You stand out there in it, you're going to get wet, okay? We're in a fallen world. Things are going to happen to us. That's not the wrath of God. We're going to learn today about the wrath of God. Now, instead I want you to picture like a courtroom, <sighs> courtroom, <clears throat> only a good place to be if you were just in the, you know, audience looking in, right, if it doesn't apply to you. Picture yourself in a courtroom. Now, all things being equal, we're, we're talking about a just judge. The judge in the courtroom, for the most part, uh, doesn't have anything personally against the defendant, against the criminal that's been brought before him. He's not sitting up there saying, or she's not sitting up there saying, I just can't wait, let's see what I can charge, what can I do? What can I, what can I, you know, what kind of penalty can I put on them for what they've done? I'm just gonna add some stuff, and I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do that, because they cut me off in the parking lot. I'm do. No, what are they doing? They're sitting there and they are listening to the charges that have been brought against this person. And then they're gonna weigh the evidence, right? They're gonna, this is how it goes. This is the law. <laughs> This is the evidence that showed that you violated this law. This is the penalty for violating that law. It's nothing personal. It is cause and effect. God is a righteous judge. His wrath has to do with this was the law. We all broke it. Some of us broke it this morning. Some of us are going to break it in a few minutes. We're just waiting for the opportunity. But this is the penalty that comes for violating that law. That's the wrath of God. Righteous in character, not revenge, okay? Not motivated on, you did wrong by me, so I'm going to get you back. No, you did this action. This is the consequence of that action. Okay, so, <clears throat> excuse me, so not out of a need to get back, um, but just punishment for a violation. All right, now, what's the object of God's wrath? We can break it up into two categories ungodliness and unrighteousness. All right, ungodliness has to do with our lack of reverence or respect toward God. We don't revere Him as our Creator, as being holy, as being uh, deserving of our honor and our respect. We treat Him as If I'm in trouble, then I can pray, and maybe he'll do something, or if I need something, or if nothing else, I can blame him for all the wrong going on in our lives. But we don't revere him as we should. Okay, think about it on a level that may be a little bit easier for understanding. Most of us, most of the adults in here have children. Now, if you did right by your child, you created them, so to speak, right? You brought them into the world. They owe you their lives you have provided for them. You tried to take care of them when they weren't in position to take care of themselves. You tried to give them the information and the wisdom, the knowledge that they would need to properly care for themselves when they grew up. And now you see when, even in this end time it seems like it's even worse, children are disrespectful to parents. Now a lot of us joke and say, I wish you would step up in my face. (laughs) After all I've done for you, I don't think so. Right? We demand a proper reverence from our children. You don't get to talk to me just any kind of way, right? You don't get to disrespect me. You don't get to throw things up in my face, and you don't get to only come and talk to me when you're asking me to give you stuff. (laughs) Right? There is a proper reverence that even us, as just mere humans, respect from those that we've created. Now, let's think about God. Oh, no, you don't get to just talk to me any kind of way, right? You owe me your existence and everything else out here that you enjoy, right? So there's a proper reverence and respect that belongs to God. (coughs) Ungodliness, the wrath of God comes, we don't give him this honor and respect. There are some that even deny his very existence, Remember, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. There's no reverence to who he is and what he's done. Unrighteousness is what we do to each other. Offenses toward people. Again, a scenario with us and our children, if you have more than one child, you don't allow one to disrespect the other, right? You don't allow them to purposely offend, do things wrong against the other. Same concept, God's created us all. He loves us all. We're all his children, no matter what we look like or what kind of craziness we get ourselves into. He does not like us disrespecting one another or causing offense to each other. So we have to respect and revere him. We need to respect one another. Okay, Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. If we do that, there's no worry of ungodliness. We're respecting him. If you're loving him with all your heart, mind, and soul, you're giving your all to him. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. You're welcome. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, I love myself some samiko. I don't purposely go about hurting me, do I? I try not to be, you know, vengeful and get back at me. I don't look at myself and say, I'm going to get you for that. Or I don't try to set traps for myself, you know, laying in wait or spread nasty rumors about me. I don't do that kind of thing, right? So if I'm loving you as I'm loving me, I'm not going to spread things about you. I'm not going to set traps about you. If I hear something bad about you, I'm not going to be like, ooh, yeah, I bet she did it. Who can I tell? Just itching. Burning. I got to Somebody else got to know. No, I don't do that. I don't sit around and make fun of you. I don't sit around and make fun of myself. I know what my faults are, and I either try to fix them or just sweep them away so nobody else is going to know. Right? And if I'm loving you as I'm loving myself, then when I see your faults, I'm either going to try to help you fix them, or we're just going to, it's alright. we're not going to go around and put it on the billboard. Did y'all know this is what Brother Kelly does when nobody's looking? Can you believe it? He didn't know I saw it. Can you believe it? And on those, so if you ever had a problem with remembering the Ten Commandments, If we could just remember those two, love the Lord your God with everything, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. Then I don't steal from me, right? I don't go around trying to kill me. You know, not purposely. Now, I do some, you know, I probably eat some things I shouldn't, but, you know, I'm working on it. So if we would remember those, then those other, all of the other, Commandments hang on those. We don't have to worry about worshiping idols. If we're reverencing God the way we're supposed to, we're not going to bow down to anything else. We're going to seek his face and we're going to honor him. Holding down the truth, it says in verse, are we still in verse 18? Yeah, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. When you think about, you know what suppress means, right? You're holding it down because you don't want anybody to know. You don't want to be faced with it. You don't want anybody else faced with it. So we look at suppressing the truth, kind of that turning a blind eye to. If I hold the truth down, if the truth is not out there, then I don't have to be accountable to it, right? If, it's, if I can just hold it back, I don't have to look at it, and I don't have to feel ashamed or condemned for the things that I'm doing that are contrary to the truth, because I'm just going to put it in a box <coughs> and act like it doesn't exist. Are you okay, back there? <laughs> a light come on. So um, we have to be, because sometimes we do that. We will justify our actions by we know what God has said, but you think, well, I don't, I don't believe that's going to apply to me. I'm just going to tuck this one away. We're not out of sight, out of mind. We're not going to think about it. And after a while, that works, doesn't it? If you put something back long enough, you will start to think that what you're doing is right. You'll forget about it. It will be out after you justify it enough. And that's always, to me, a clue that I may be doing something wrong if I have to come up with all these reasons why it's right. You don't really have to explain truth. If I look out there and I say, yeah, it's, it's daylight, I don't have to go in any further explanation. Well, so you can tell because it, you can see when you walk outside. You don't need a flashlight or any kind of light and certain number of hours, and the sun is in this exact position, and when it's there, we can get the rays of the sun, and it's bright, and this is a time where everything is awake. And we're sp- I don't have to explain. I say it's daylight. And anybody that wants to argue that, what are you looking at? I'm like, okay. Right. It's dark. But when you have to start, you know, this is okay for me to do. God said, I could because, see, because we got needs. And you're not supposed to deny yourself. I only got so many years on this earth. I'm going to live it up. And this is okay because this is not what the scripture meant when it said this. When you have to start explaining and giving reasons why, it's time to step back. Take the box off of the truth that you're trying to suppress and just deal with it. And just bring it to the Lord and say, you know, I know this is what your word says. This is what I want to do. It's contrary to what your word tells me I need to do. Help me. Help me to want to do what it is you've called me to do. Sometimes it has to be our prayer. I know what's right, but I really want to do what's wrong. Help me to want to do what's right, because first we have to get there. Then he can help me do the right. First got to want to do the right, then I have to do the right. So sometimes our prayer, we have to go back a step, help me want to stop gossiping because I sure enjoy it. So help me want to stop. You know, if lying is your thing, help me want to stop lying. Then, you Lord, help me not to lie. When, when things come up, opportunities to lie, I won't take them. All right, excuse me. Now, God is revealed. It also tells us how we are without excuse because God has been revealed to us. God has revealed in creation. Now, if you have rules at your house, and they are very clear rules, then when somebody breaks one of those rules, there's not as much grace and mercy as it, because you're, you're without excuse. Now, if I had not specifically said, you know, that you can't have wild parties when I leave, and you had one, then, you know, there should have been some understood, but if I didn't specifically say it, maybe, all right, maybe we can, we can try to work some things out. But if I have revealed to you the rule, no parties, wild, tame, or otherwise, <laughs> right, while I'm gone, off the property, out of the driveway, party consists of you and any other person, not in the house when I leave. You know, you have to be specific with people. But if it's been revealed, then, and you break the law, you're without excuse. So we're without excuse, because God has been revealed to us. We're without excuse when we say he doesn't exist, and I don't have to do according to his rules, because he's revealed himself to us. How has he revealed himself to us? Through his creation. It is amazing to me. I can't even wrap my head around stuff. When you even think about the planet we live on, how it has to be absolutely perfect, to sustain life, and how it is just a small uh, section of a very big and very vast universe, right? Even when you think about the human body, I just cannot imagine all the systems in play, just everything that goes on, just so I can raise my hand. Absolutely amazing. You don't even think about it. The things that we do, you get up, you walk, you know, until you get a little bit older, then you have <coughs> when you get up, but, but, <laughs> but before then, <laughs> Before then, when you just pop up out of bed, whoever gave any thought to what all had to go on inside your body in the split second before you decided to hop out of bed? Right? Or if you were trying to remember something, uh, if you go in and you smell something and it brings back a flood of memories, think about how amazing that is. Yeah. And we don't even have to think about it. I mean, it just happens. God has revealed himself to us. And not just us, even looking in the animals. There are so many forms of life in the ocean that are still undiscovered. Some of those things, like that one fish I'm finding Nemo with the little light on his head, that thing freaks me out. But look at how smart it is. It is in the deepest, darkest part of the ocean. Poor little fish get down there and they think, I'm lost, I'm scared, it's dark. And he's like, I got you. Got huh? a little light. That's a lot warm and fuzzy. And he's like, dinner you know? Yeah, I mean, you just, and you go to, oh, there's some light over there, way out, there's a way out. It's just absolutely amazing how some of the largest creatures in the ocean survive off some of the smallest things there. Absolutely amazing. So much stuff that we haven't even seen. Nicholas was telling me about some lizard that doesn't have eyelids, and so it cleans its eyes by licking it with its tongue. You can't make this stuff up. You know (laughs) what just doesn't. It doesn't just happen, right? It's just so absolutely amazing. We were on National Geographic, and apparently there's this turtle that urinates out its mouth, and somehow it keeps it healthy. I'm like, oh, too wonderful for me. I just don't (laughs) even you can't make this stuff up, right? So God reveals himself, even in the change of the seasons, how things live for a time, and then there's a falling away, and it dies, and it comes back, and how all of it, the whole cycle of life, how vegetation can make its own food from what's present, and how, you know, then there are some animals that eat from the vegetation, and then larger animals eat from those animals, And when they die, it goes back in and it gives nourishment to the earth for the vegetation to grow. Absolutely astounding. It couldn't have just happened. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. To look at all of that and say that there was no divine presence that designed and made it all. Absolutely astounding when we in our just few years that we have on the earth can accept the fact that we can create something, but cannot accept the fact that there had to be someone greater that created us. That has to be what? A fool, an unwise person. says in their heart, there is no God. So God reveals to us that it, Psalm 19 and 1, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. So the problem is not that we didn't have an opportunity to know God. God's been revealed to us. Man has the ability to reason, to see and understand, to look at something and realize that it had to have been created. It had to have come from somewhere. So it's not that we don't know him, or haven't had the opportunity, and when I say man, I'm thinking, I'm talking about mankind collectively, not just us in this room, but all of, through eternity, man that has walked on the earth, men and women, mankind, the collective, okay, so we've had the opportunity, even if no one has ever come and preached to you the word of God, you can observe in nature and realize there must be someone, must be something greater. Our problem has come in, not that we didn't know, is that we didn't want to know. We didn't want to recognize him for who he is. We didn't want to honor him. We didn't want to give him glory. That's where our problem comes in. Even now, our problem comes in now. When you see people out doing things or whatever, even in our own lives, when we get into trouble, it's not that we don't know what we need to do, we just don't want to. <coughs> we yeah, we can do this. Right? We don't want to know. Alright. Consequences. We we failed to glorify God. We didn't recognize Him as God. Instead, we did something very foolish, right? Because we are constituted to worship. We will worship. Mankind just is. It's in us to worship. But instead of worshiping this amazing God, Creator of heaven and earth, we decided, now we were made in God's image, designed to worship him, but we decided instead to make us some gods in our own image and worship him. And that's what's so sad about it. We, we won't worship the designer of all of this, but we will take a piece of wood, something that, you know, from what he's made, to even add insult to injury, we'll take a part of his creation and fashion into something we can see, you know, little beetle, you know, the little scarabs, he used to worship in Egypt, little scarabs, or, you know, some other kind of animal, that we can look out there and see, that's probably only going to live as long as we do, if not even that long. And we're going to bow before it. Or we're going to worship ourselves. There's nothing greater than me. I mean, I'm pretty good. But to say that there's none greater than me, I wouldn't want to take that leap. I hope there's something greater than me. But to worship ourselves, to worship the things that we can get, And by worship, what do we say when we talk about worship? I'm giving myself to it. I'm giving my resources to it. I'm honoring it above all else. For some people, it's another person. For some people, it's themselves. For some people, it's their jobs. You take their jobs away from them, they kill themselves because they have no reason to live. I've had some good jobs, none that good. (laughs) You know, I like nice things, not that much. But we will put something because it's in us to worship. And when we take our eyes away from God, when we choose not to give him his place in our lives, we fill it with something else. There's no, I'm not going to worship anything. Even the atheist worships something. They may not want to admit it when they say there's no God. There's something that takes priority in their lives. And they worship it. Okay, so professing to be wise... Mankind became fools. We took what was, we disregarded what was incorruptible, what was, um, you know, not able to be, you know, torn down, and we replaced it with, with what is corruptible, with things that are going to pass away in time. Sounds pretty foolish, doesn't it? We decided to apply our own wisdom instead of God's wisdom. All right. So, therefore, it says, verse 24, God gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. It says God gave them up. Now, there are three different areas where God is going to give them up as you continue reading throughout, and I'll let you finish that on your own because we're... We're out of time. We're going to go another couple of minutes though. Where it says God gave mankind up as a society. What that means when God gives you up, his spirit departs, he ceases to restrain, and he, des- he steps back and says, okay, I'm going to let you be what it is you want to be. Let the society become what it wants to become. He allows us to experience the self-destructive results of our sin." And can you see that in our society? God gave us up to uncleanness, sexual perversion, depraved mind, unable to make sound judgments. That's the wrath of God. Not that he rained down fire from heaven, but that he says, fine, have what you want. That's what you want to do? You do that. You bear the consequences of what comes from that. What have been those consequences? Sickness? disease, decreased decrease lifespan, all kinds of depravity. People do anything with anybody, anytime, anywhere. And those that don't do it see nothing wrong with those that do. All kinds of things. And he gives a list of 24 rather disturbing sins. And you can read that on your own. It's all in, in this same passage up through 32. 32. And he gives a list of things that are going on in society. Yeah, And and it's disturbing because of what the things are listed. And he even goes a step further and says, well you know what, even if you don't find yourself in that list, which unfortunately, I'm pretty sure we can all find ourselves in that list. He says, even if you can't, by some stretch of the imagination, if you can't find yourself in that list, I bet you have taken pleasure or applauded or look the other way when someone else did it. We have, as a collective, we've turned away from God. We haven't revered Him, and He has given us up. He said, okay, have what you want. And then what do we do when things go wrong and we get sick? I can't believe you gave me this illness. No, this is a consequence of your sin, not maybe you individually, but you as a collective. Because we brought things on ourselves. Uh, We can thank some things we can thank ourselves for personally. Some things we can thank our ancestors. I remember in in the New Testament when they were talking about crucifying Jesus and they said, let his blood be on us and on our children. I'm like, hey, don't do me no favors. (laughs) No. But when we do stuff, we are also collecting my actions. My children will have to bear some of the responsibilities for the choices I make. If nothing else, the kind of world that I leave for them. That's why when I see people's kids running wild and I'm thinking, i got to live in this world with them, get them under control, you know, because I ain't going to take that when they come my way. <laughs> so think about all the things that as a collective we have let loose in this world because what does it say that we did? We exchanged the truth of God for the lie. What's the law? You know how we all point fingers at Eve? If she just hadn't eaten the fruit, if she just if it had been me, I wouldn't have done it. What's the lie? Genesis 3, 4 and 5. Then the serpent, Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows, and in the day you eat of of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's more than just knowing right from wrong. She wanted to be like God. She wanted to be in that place of God. We wanted to be like God. And we say, I wouldn't wouldn't have done it, I wouldn't have done it, but how many times in a day, how many times in your life can you look back and look And see, well, you traded the truth of God, what God wanted you to do, revering him, honoring him above all other, and you traded it for the law, I don't need him, I can be God. I can be God in my life. So easy. Even myself, and I had to drop my head in shame and repent and think, well, doggone it, Eve, I can see the lure of it all. (laughs) I've eaten it a few times myself where I disregarded God as God and inserted myself as knowing what I needed to do better than Him. So that's what happens. He He wants worship, so we don't give it to God, we're giving it to Him. When we think we're giving it to ourselves, we're giving it to Him. So that's why Lucifer was no longer Lucifer because he wanted the worship due to God. And so he tricks us time and time again and we trade the truth of God for the lie. If you just eat it, you can be your own God. You can be like God. Now, we're not supposed to be like God. We're supposed to strive to be like Christ. That's different. But she traded the truth for the lie. Let's not get caught up in the law, okay? Because we don't want to be giving up turned over to just fun. That's what you want to do? Now, sometimes we do that stuff with our, you know, with kids or with our, you know, other people. So you just want to keep on? Fine. You go on out there and see what it's like. And that's what happened. That's what you want? Fine. You bear the responsibility of your destructive behavior. It's coming. It's here. It's just getting worse. And you would think that after a while, we would turn to God. But not all of us do. So, why do we need salvation? What's so good about the good news? We need to be saved from the wrath of God, from him stepping back and saying, "Fine, that's the path you've chosen. Walk it, my friend. You know, walk it. Okay. Thank y'all for the extra time this morning. We are going to pick up next week uh, with part two of the need for salvation. And we will be uh, in Romans chapter 2, all of chapter 2, and then chapter 3 up to verse 20. So if you haven't already read that, go ahead and read that, all of chapter 2, and then chapter 3 up to verse 20. Uh, And remember, as we are going about our day, don't trade the truth of God for the lie, okay? Let's not fall for it. Don't be the fool that says in your heart there is no God. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be an atheist, but it could also be, When given the opportunity, am I going to honor and revere and respect God or am I going to do my own thing? Am I going to say in this situation before me, there's not God, there's me that I'm accountable to. Don't be that fool. All right. Thank you all. You're dismissed.
0: We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at KingdomRock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. And Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited.